Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and a new series titled GTP 2023. What is it? Doing interviews with manufacturers, drivers, teams, all the folks that interest us as we get ready for IMSA's brand new hybrid formula. Prototypes coming next season. Acura, BMW, Cadillac, and Porsche all signed up for year one. Lamborghini coming in 2024 all using these hybrid GTP prototypes. And for this episode, we have BMW factory driver, Connor Filippi catching up with our young man, open wheel ace. As I first got to know him, transitioned into the BMW factory, driven a lot of cars, been a part of a number of manufacturer programs, but this is a kid who is not only crazy fast behind the wheel, but also incredibly skilled at explaining and exploring unique technical aspects of the cars so gonna rely on him to help us doing that going forward here so speaking with Connor coming out of the three-day test for BMW with their new M hybrid V8 that with the BMW M team RLL outfit at Road Atlanta things went incredibly well he tells us about that and also once again makes us smarter towards the end of his visit so let's get going with our guy Connor Filippi. you are a American race car driver and aren't we fortunate that BMW has a really cool American IMSA prototype program where they said hey we should have an American driver like Connor a part of part of that got some other cool drivers that are included but as we get ramped up here speeding towards 2023 the launch of this new IMSA GTP formula it's going to continue doing updates with manufacturers, drivers like yourself. Talk about how testing's been going, car development with what we can talk about uh, at least, and some of the things that interest or excite you. So why don't we kick things off, Connor, talking about most recent test, this group test done at Road Atlanta. BMW was there. Acura was there. Cadillac was there. Porsche, a little shy. Didn't want to show up for the party. But uh, yeah. nonetheless, heard, I wasn't there, but I heard your BMW team uh, was pretty good place, uh, did a, a decent amount of laps, and things were pretty quick on your end. Tell me about this new M Hybrid V8 and throwing it around Road Atlanta. That sounds like fantasy type stuff. Oh, most definitely. It was a, a very, very successful three days for us. You know, we made huge leaps and bounds with uh, with the car itself over the three days, performance-wise. Um, also, durability-wise, that was by far the best test we've had um, compared to previous tests. We were having kind of uh, teething problems, but this one ran pretty much problem-free from start to finish, which was pretty much what we hoped for. It's what we needed with all of the homologation-type decisions just around the corner. So that was super critical to work through a lot of test items on uh, the aerodynamic side. Um, even simple things like brake pad material, uh, all those things have to be decided on. And uh, with limited running compared to other manufacturers, we're a little bit on our on our heels there. But, um, you know, we're able to work through a lot of those things and, and come out with some pretty confident decisions in certain areas. And I think uh, that put us in a really good position. As you mentioned, the, the pace was surprisingly it kind of surprised all of us because, honestly, we didn't have a chance to do any setup work at all. It's been really about trying to just get the car functioning 
as close to 100% as we can and getting all the systems working together. And, uh, you know, setup work has not even become a, become a topic yet. So considering that um, and where we stacked against the others, obviously we don't know what others are doing, but um, big picture, it, it's, it was looking good. And, um, yeah, it was, if you compare it to the GT car I drove just a few days before that, a Petit Le Mans, it was, uh, you know, putting putting things at 10x speed. Uh, the whole first and second sector really come at you really fast in this car. And it was just so great to be back in a high downforce car with lots of power. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year. Yeah, I would have to imagine. Might have been a, a few calls to the pits over the radio uh, there going, hey, I think there's something wrong with the windshield. Everything's really blurry. Like, no, you're going a <laughs> thousand miles per hour faster, son. Um, let's stick with the mileage and familiarity part here uh, to open, Connor. So unlike uh, BMW's rivals in this formula, starting the hardcore testing aspect of things for BMWs come a little bit later than expected. Obviously doesn't mean that uh, y'all won't make up and be fully ready and, you know, maybe go win on debut at the Rolex 24. But in terms of, boy, we've done a ton of mileage. Cadillac mentioned they've completed after Road Atlanta uh, tests some 11,000 kilometers, you know, almost 7,000 miles Knowing that on the uh, BMW M Team RLL side <clears throat> and also BMW Motorsport from the uh, manufacturer side, haven't been able to say we've knocked out 10,000 plus kilometers in testing yet. How does that shape what you do when you go to a three-day test like this? Is this more, uh, hey, we're just really getting to learn this car. This is like a, a new acquaintance. You know, How do you shape what you do on a multi-day test like this knowing you're a little bit short on the amount of mileage you'd like to have yeah absolutely as you said you know going into that test the number one priority was mileage in itself um you know we have we are a little bit behind our competition um but i think there is this uh, misconception that everybody else has been running tons and tons of miles i think it's fair to say everybody else has been having a lot of issues. So I, I don't really think we're as far behind. I know we are, we are on the back foot, but I'm, I'm confident we're not as far behind as uh, we might think over the three days. I'm pretty sure we ran the most laps out of anybody. Um, so all those things were really positive and in, even just the little things like trying to be the first one on track every morning, you know, those things matter in this type deal because everything's so new for everybody getting procedures down, trying to get, uh, you know, every, all the systems working, on time so you can be on on time uh, for a session start you know those are all type things that as race weekends come closer those are going to be the the little details that we're going to be eyeing for and um those were little priorities every single day just trying to make make use of every minute that we had of track time and um you know other than the last day i think every day we were, we were starting pretty close to on time uh, target which was a huge deal for us because in the past we'd kind of been struggling with that so um, you know, mileage was for sure. Number one, just trying to learn the car. Uh, you know, the more miles you do, something new is going to break. And that was really the key thing. We, we fixed quite a few, um, kind of issues that we had in previous tests. And once we solved those, we were really just, we had to run miles to, to basically break the next thing. So, um, you know, there's a few things that uh, over time we're learning are, are going to be fragile and we're going to have to, um, you know, reinforce a few areas like that and make sure they're built for, 
for the brutal bumps of Sebring. Um, but overall, really, the goal was just burning the, as many laps as possible, working through as many items as possible. Uh, you know, we were changing drivers in and out as much as you can just to keep the car on track because obviously uh, the car the car is physical. That track is fast out of all the circuits, probably that one, Mostport, and uh, probably Watkins Glen are the three you know most physical with high corner speeds and never really get a break. So um, we were trying to keep keep that turning over and keeping the car on track as much as possible. So, um, you know, as long as we were doing that, we were, we were all happy. Um, and, and again, we had no real uh, mechanical issues or anything over the three days. So that was a, a very positive note to end three days on. You mentioned something that, uh, I don't know, might be a little bit more of a team side of a question, but, uh, since you mentioned, it, I'll, I'll ask if you can fill, fill in a little bit. And this I think is just another kind of fascinating wrinkle in, going to a, a new hybrid machine. So if we're talking a GT car you're driving, even a DPI that, uh, that we just retired as a formula, each team, Connor, has a, a well-defined routine of preparing for a session. You mentioned getting prepared for the first outing in the morning. Each team does things a little bit different, but you know if it's a 10 a.m. session, you'll probably hear teams starting and warming up the cars at 9 a.m., an hour before. Some wait 45 minutes before. But again, there, there's a bit of a, a sequence, a cadence of how such things work. Well-defined, warm up the engine, warm up the gearbox, run through the gears. Crew gets, we're talk, since we're talking IMSA, might be getting suited up in their you know, fireproof uh, clothing and whatnot. Anyways, there's kind of a defined approach of how a team gets ready for first session of the day, second, all the sessions. What's it been like adjusting to something that not only is a new car, but hey, electrification. Uh, there's probably some new procedures there too, whether it, it's charging a battery, whether it's uh, how team works or interacts from a safety standpoint. What have you observed just in how the team's gone about trying to uh, interact with this new machine, as you said, say getting ready? So you can be the first team out in the morning. It's a little bit of an adjustment process too, right? It definitely is a big adjustment. As you said, I think cadence is really the word there. Um, you know, just trying to find that routine. You're used to just only having to warm up the engine and the gearbox and, and off you go, do a couple, you know, routine checks. But now, uh, you know, every day has to start with the safety briefing, obviously with the electrification of things. Um, all the manufacturers are going to err on the safe side, especially in the beginning. So um, you know, making sure everyone knows what the processes are, if the car is deemed unsafe and what is a car that is deemed unsafe and how do you handle that? Um, you know, just kind of making sure everybody knows the procedure and although it becomes repetitious, um, and can be tedious to do it every single day, it's really, really what's necessary when we're working around, you know, adding more and more complex systems within the car. Um, and even just little things, you know, I'm learning every, every day we complete with the car as well. You know, there's, there's certain battery targets that you want to try to end a day on. So you got to make sure you have enough, you know, SOC, which is state of charge. Uh, you have to make sure that's below a th certain threshold because you don't want to have, want to have too much energy saved up in the battery. Um, so there's even, you know, end of day procedures that we're having to now put into place, make sure, you know, for overall battery health, you need to make sure it's below a certain level by the end of the day. Um, and same goes for when you start the day, you know, procedures, how to charge the battery, what level it needs to be to before it's ready to, you know, start with uh, all the other systems in the car. So, 
it's really about just trying to trying to put all those in a Excel sheet and make sure you do them all in the right right way and finding a way to make it most efficient because race weekends they can be very compact especially some like long beach grand prix for example which is going to be always one of the tight ones on the calendar and um you know obviously having all that down to a science having that all very refined is going to be super important to to maximize every session and when it comes down to debriefing after every session you want to have all those um kind of ducks in a row so it's also been a process for me to learn um you know learning only not only like how how to drive the car but also how to just be safe around it in itself so there's all types of little little procedures we've had to work on um and as you said it's just finding that cadence and trying to get that system down to um to maximize every minute of the day one or two more things brother so you are not unfamiliar with working with manufacturers to test and develop new cars or new components and right you're always been someone known as not just a fast race car driver but someone who's very technically skilled can help engineers with deep feedback and and feel from what's happening etc etc tell us about this process so far knowing that you've been able to obviously test uh the bmw gtp car a couple times already what are things like from your end because i can't imagine you're in a traditional i'm a race car driver me strap in car step on pedal go fast i got to imagine your partial race car driver somewhat test pilot uh professor in some way having to comb through a lot of information uh spreadsheets powerpoints lord knows what to understand all the systems to give feedback on how hey could we tune this which then affects four other things. And then let's be prepared to modify those four other things after we make that first adjustment. I'm guessing this isn't just a total analog brute force uh, type testing experience for you. What is it like? Tell us how many different hats you're kind of having to wear to give (laughs) BMW everything they need to make this car excellent. No, you're right. I mean, it has been, it has been a lot of hats, um, you know, want to be engineer slash race car driver slash test driver, you name it. It kind of falls under all categories. Uh, and there is a lot of, you know, a lot of new things that I'm having to learn. Uh, my first time driving a brake by wire system in a race car. So just little things like that to understand, okay, it's not all just plug and play. You know, there's a lot of software stuff that, that makes everything work as it should, and just when you hit the brake pedal doesn't mean that, you know, the brake pressure is applied to the brakes when you push the brake pedal. Even that's just a, something simple that early, in the early days uh, in our first rollout, I was like, wait, you're telling me that it's not actually braking when I'm telling to? That's, when, that's what's <laughs> causing this issue that I'm having? They're like, yeah, well, although you're hitting the brake pedal, it's actually becoming delayed. And that's why you're, you know, having rear locking, for example. I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I wish they it- told you it was actually new voice command. <laughs> Siri, please brake. Like yeah. that would be amazing, right? Just voice activated, uh, cockpit controls. That's the new thing. That'd be a great, like, that'd be a great joke to play on whoever's <laughs> testing. If there's anybody testing for the first time when Herta gets in. All right. Oh yeah. Right. We got, you got to do, Hey, by the way, keep the secret, but yeah, some of the things are actually voice activated. Uh, Hey Siri shift. Hey Siri shift. Just, we got to get them. Got to get them. He'll fall for it too. You should ask him his iPhone story at the 24 hour Daytona the first year he won it. Yeah, I will. I will. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, 
even stuff like that, you know, I think also the philosophy and the approach that you have, at least for myself, you know, you go into it, you know, there's so many things that are being worked on. So you're, you know, although you naturally want to go out there and drive 10 tenths and see what the car can do um, with the car still having so many things that are being developed, it's kind of, I've kind of learned to, you know, I've always been very technical and I've always really liked the feedback stage and developing cars, et cetera. And I think a big part of that is, is knowing how to drive at X number and at X limit and being able to really feel every little change. And I think that's really been kind of exaggerated with this car because, you know, when you're changing multiple things at once, you really need to be present in the car and try to try to give as detailed a feedback as you can. Um, and obviously when you're driving 10 tenths, you're kind of, you turn some of the receptors off and you're just kind of wheeling it as hard as you can, ignoring some of the feedback the car has given you to an extent. And, um, you know, that type of driving style isn't really what we're going for through the testing stage. And I think, you know, I talked a lot about this with my, my full-time teammate, Nick Gillily. Uh, you know, he does a lot of sim stuff in Formula One and, and he kind of talked about the same thing, you know a good sim driver in the f1 world is a guy who can go out there and repeat nine tenths every single time not the guy who can go out there and, and go a little quicker than the other guy but then can't do it every session because that's not how you develop things so you know we've kind of both come up with that same approach and i've been able to lean on him a lot as well about you know his his experience in development not only necessarily in in actual car world but you know in the sim world that goes into the formula one side you know, he has a lot of experience with that. And, um, you know, I've kind of been able to pick his brain a little bit about that and trying to improve myself as a driver and, and how to be, you know, a, a more, um, you know, valuable piece of the puzzle for, for BMW and for the RLL team. So, you know, we have a lot of experienced engineers um, that have gone all the way back to, you know, champ car days and, and they have a ton of experience with, um, with aero and development and all types of stuff. So I've, I've had a great crew of people around me to lean on. And, um, you know, I feel like I've been able to bring my value to the team and, and as well as continue learning how to how to, you know, bring more of that. And, you know, with our experience in a Formula E and having some of those engineers coming over and, and teaching us, you know, some things about, you know, how the how the systems are working together on the hybrid side. Uh, you know, I didn't even realize how complex even just downshifting can be adding this whole hybrid system in. Um, so all that has been has been a big learning curve. And as I said, I think trying to trying to rein everything together kind of be really present and and driving to a certain limit to develop this car has, has been important for myself and has allowed me to learn a lot in the process you're so good at explaining this stuff i'm gonna wear you out over the coming months and next year getting folks uh more clued in and hyped up about gtp connor why don't we uh why don't we say farewell on this so sailing is, is a term that I first heard, I think, from the Porsche drivers when the new uh, hybrid LMP1 cars came out. Uh, mm -hmm. Coasting, there, there's a couple of different names that teams call it, but the art of charging your battery, possibly, and or trying to conserve fuel, possibly. Some of the previous hybrid formulas, there have been a couple of... Uh, maximum energy consumption per lap considerations drivers would have to take into how they uh, did their job in the car. I haven't heard anything related to that with GTP, but there is certainly the need to harvest energy. Uh, and then since we're allowed to deploy it more or less at all times, like it's not just a, oh, 
all right, maybe I need to uh, capture a little bit of uh, electric horsepower this lap. Uh, maybe, should I do that? Should I not? Tell folks about that process, because that's certainly different than what you've had to do or what you've had to learn about. Can you explain to folks the uh, the harvesting strategy during an, an average lap and how, you know, uh, this is something that is seemingly, or from what I'm told, kind of ever-present? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, you know, to be honest, that's a side of it that's all still very new to me, as well as, um, you know, really how, how they plan to, to deploy all that. I know there are a few of the ways that they're, you know, capturing the energy, um, one of which being obviously on the just deceleration side. Um, you know, I would say efficiency is always going to be a piece of the puzzle. I think in DPI, it's fair to say the last several years, it's always been a, largely, a, a, you know, a fuel con- conservation race to an extent because the stints are so short. I do know in the future, IMSA is really pushing to make those stints significantly longer, which I think is going to open it up to, you know, having that efficiency over, for example, let's say a 50 minute stint versus, versus right now, I think they're only doing like 35 minutes. Um, so if you're able to save that little bit more every lap over that additional, let's say 15, 20 minutes of extra stint time, um, it's going to be even that much more important. So, and that's I, a, a skill, right? Not only for no. you, like every, you know, drivers are super competitive who can be the fastest, the most consistent, this is another area among drivers to try and be the best also from the team side, right? In, in from the electronic side of trying to do a better job on that, uh, the rapid harvesting, the, the efficient deployment and just, right. So this is an actual area of compet new competitiveness to add in for you as an athlete to develop and for the team side too. I, I love that aspect too, Connor. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, being able to lift, I mean, what we call lift and coast um, within our organization, but I mean, having that art and being able to, to do that, basically using less energy without losing any lap time, that's obviously the goal. Um, that's certainly the, certainly the goal, and there's certain guys that I've come across in my career that are incredibly good with it. Um, some guys are, you know, that's where the whole debate of are you a left foot breaker, are you a right foot breaker, I know uh, I haven't driven with him personally, but I know Jordan Taylor, he, uh, he's still right foot brakes and he always has this very long pause between getting off the throttle and onto the brake pedal. Um, and sometimes you even hear him in qualifying when you're standing from outside the car, you're like, wow, that's like a really long pause in between accelerating and decelerating, but that's just his natural style. And certainly when it comes to, comes to fuel saving, that certainly helps a lot. So if your natural style is doing that, that's certainly something you have in your back pocket that, that's an advantage. And um, myself, personally, I'm a left foot breaker, so that's not necessarily uh, a natural pause that you're doing, but it's something that you develop. Um, and also a driving style. Even in, in GT, we did a little bit, but now with this car, um, you know, learning how to, not one, just managing the energy, but also we're having traffic right so the way we manage traffic now is going to be completely different uh with gts you're really just fuel saving based on you know the car ahead of you the car you're you're battling for position but now in gtp uh you're going to be having to use traffic when you know you're going to have three cars of traffic ahead of you that's going to be your opportune time to harvest as much energy as you can lift as early as you can work on the timing on how to how to basically, you already know you're going to lose that X amount of time because you have three cars ahead of you. So you kind of have to take advantage, use that time to, to harvest the energy and then be able to deploy it the rest of the lap and gain that time back. So 
it's just understanding how to not only not only manage the energy but also manage the traffic and how to in the end if the more often you can make those align to where you're not losing time while um you know saving the energy in in those traffic situations then you're going to be obviously making the most of your most of your lap time through traffic and um i think that's a whole nother art of it that's going to come into play that as we all get more experience with with each other on track with the gt cars around us um, that's going to become another area that as a driver, you can make a big difference. And I'm super excited about that because I think it's not just about, you know, driving 10 tenths. There's going to be a lot of brains behind it, um, not only behind the laptops, but behind the, the drivers uh, in the helmets. So I think that's going to be an exciting new era for all of us and create a lot of exciting racing for the fans to see. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait for Daytona. I can go slower than you faster than you says de felipe watch out everybody uh i'm gonna kick your butt when we're lifting um i love it man this is uh not only is this fun and interesting i don't know i'm also a little bit concerned if i'm honest about are we tipping this over the edge a little bit for fans like oh is there gonna how much of this stuff are folks gonna have to know or try and keep up with uh to fully grasp what's going on or do we just share all this stuff now hope it sticks and then just focus on uh, wheel to wheel, banging wheels, and, and having fun <laughs> next season. I'm not sure, but we'll yeah. figure it out. I guess we'll see. I, I think honestly, I think on the the whole um, energy side, I'm I'm not sure if that has, has all been decided. So I think uh, I think we're all going the right direction. We all want the same thing. Uh, I think either way, it's going to create a lot of really exciting racing with some of the fastest cars we've seen in a really long time. So you're going to have the fans who want the. Uh, you know, the techie details and the guys that just want to see some wheel banging and some good racing. And I think we're going to offer both of that to, to all the different fans. I'm with you. And the last little point there is each manufacturer is going to roll into the Rolex 24 with harvesting strategies and this, that, and the other. And then every single manufacturer is going to come out of the Rolex 24 going, all right, well, that was dumb. Uh, we're going to change this. So we're going to, you know, and I don't mean a failure. I'm just saying like, okay, so we had a lot of preconceived notions, at least for the manufacturers who haven't done much, if any, uh, right. hybrid racing. Porsche obviously has among the uh, the, the, the quartet, but everyone's going to come out of, of Daytona going, oh, okay, so now we're going to tweak this and do that a little different for Sebring. And I think that's the operational side is going to change over the, you know, first couple of races as those practices get perfected and then i'm sure imsa as well once we get a little bit farther into this formula uh, we'll also start looking as you said about the okay what if we can push the boundaries what if we can have efficiency and extending range right those are things that every manufacturer is going to want it's great promotional side so yeah lots of work to do now homologation coming up get into the first couple of races but yeah to me this is a, a cool area connor where uh, should be constant evolution and constant resetting of targets as we get through the first season, second season. So I don't think we're going to be bored anytime soon. Well, hey, brother, thank you for taking some time. Like I said, I, I hope we'll do many more of these as we just try and make GTP a, a much bigger part of our worlds and getting full ready for it next season. And as always, uh, I'll speak to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Marshall. And uh, thanks for having me and looking forward to, looking forward to our next chat.